What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the I'm Telling You What podcast. This is Blakely, and this is a special episode that you are tuning in for today because I have a special guest, and her name is Barry, a.k.a. my sister. Hey, guys! I'm so excited to be on the podcast. (laughs) This is going to be a good one, I think. Um, We're going to have some good conversations because um, Barry is a new graduate, and Barry, take it away. Tell the people about yourself. Okay, well, I just got my degree in nursing. I'm not technically a nurse yet. Still have to take my NCLEX, but I have studied to be a nurse and just graduated. From? University of Alabama. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. If you're an Auburn fan, sorry, not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Love you anyway. Um, I know there's going to be lots of giggles on this, so... Yeah, just bear with us. Just bear with us. We're doing the best we can with what we got. You know, we're sitting in, we're actually sitting in our parents' closet (laughs) on the floor because this is the best, like, soundproof area. And when you have a toddler and there's, like, four pets in the house, it's the best you can do. Mm -hmm. So, I'm so excited about this episode. I asked to be on it because Mm -hmm. the topic kind of relates to my career path. It does. And um, if you don't, watch my Instagram stuff, then you probably don't know what we're going to talk about today. And I know I mention Instagram a lot, but it's just so easy to go on there and like share things and ask questions and whatnot. But we are going to talk about Dr. Christopher Dunch, aka Dr. Death. And I hope I said his last name right. That's how it looks to me. Um, um, thank you to Shalin for this recommendation. Hey, Shalin. Um, I really appreciate it because this story is unreal, and you may have heard about it. It's on Peacock, the streaming platform, and uh, I think it just came out not too long ago. And Shalyn contacted me and was like, hey, I can't find a podcast on this other than, like, where the show came from. It, the show came from a podcast, by the way. That's They created it off a podcast. She's like, I can't find anything out about this, so I think you should do it. And I was like, say no more. Done. But I should warn you, though, this story, I think it's crazier and crazier as we go on. Because, Barry, actually, tell me again what you said earlier today, that you talked about it at, like, your preceptorship or something. Yeah, so as a nursing student, your last clinical is called your preceptorship. And basically, for a month, I had to get 180 hours with a nurse, and you work their schedule. Anyways, while I was on that last clinical some of the nurses were talking about Dr. Death. So that's also why I wanted to join this podcast because I've heard about it. it. Yep. Yep. I don't know that there's a lot of medical people that haven't heard about this guy because he messed up so bad with his career. And now that it's like a little like TV series type thing, um, I think more people are going to find out about it for sure. And um, so kind of from like what I've gathered with the research and everything this story is a medical world nightmare and Barry will give us insight into that because I'm gonna ask her questions about these things but that is how I see it and this guy fits the bill of being clinically insane you see what I did there Mm. okay well anyway we're gonna talk about Dr. Death or I'm sorry we're gonna talk about Dr. Christopher Dunch aka Dr. Death because I'm telling you what, um, just grab a snack or something. This one's going to take a minute. 
Okay, y'all, before we begin, it's allergy season. <laughs> As you've probably heard, me doing this. <laughs> We're both kind of like sniffing, coughing, our eyes are itching and watering, and I also have cats. And Barry's not around cats every day like I am, so she kind of reacts to the kitty cats. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, back to the regular program. <laughs> okay, let's jump right in, shall we? So... Let's talk about Dr. Christopher Dunch. I think I'm saying that right. <laughs> okay, this is what I want to open with because I think it's extremely um, sad, yes, but also interesting. So over the course of this man's career, which was only two actual years, I might add, Dr. Dunch operated on a total of 38 patients, leaving 31 of those people paralyzed or seriously injured and two of them dead. Let's talk about how this happened. Okay, Christopher Dunch was born in Montana in 1971, but was raised with his three siblings in an affluent area of Memphis, Tennessee. That's not far from us. Yeah. We're, we're in Chattanooga, not all the time, but that's not far from here. Um, his father was a missionary and physical therapist, and his mother was a teacher. And Christopher, or Chris, let's, let's say Chris, Christopher's a bit extra. Um, Chris received his undergrad degree from the University of Memphis. Go Tigers! <laughs> <laughs> they have a really good cheer team, they by do. the way. <laughs> and he went on to receive his MD and his PhD from the University of Tennessee Health Center. Roll Tide. Roll Tide always. Roll Tide forever. Um, and he actually did so well in medical school that he was asked to join the prestigious Alpha Omega Medical Honor Society. And no, that is not a fraternity. <laughs> Just so people are aware. Um, he then did his residency at UT Memphis, where he spent five years in neurosurgery and a year in general surgery. And during this time, he became the director of the tissue bank and also wrote grants, which led him to acquire over $3 million in funding. That's a lot of money. Um, but Chris's success didn't seem to last very long. His career, along with himself, began to spiral out of control, and this is when the greed may have become too much, and Dr. Death was born. Okay, so I want Barry to explain just kind of like medical school, like what she knows, that kind of thing. Okay, lay okay. it out for us. First of all, after you get your bachelor's degree and whatever, then you apply to med school, and that's another about four years. Depending on what you want to specialize in, residency comes after medical school. So we're talking at this point, you've already had eight years of school. Mm -hmm. Then you're going into residency, which is clinical heavy. Mm -hmm. And a surgeon especially has up to eight years in residency because they're supposed to do so many patients practice on with a doctor to, you know, teach them along the way, make sure they're doing things the right way so that they are ready to go on their own. I think I also read somewhere that for neurosurgery, you have to operate on like a thousand patients. Do you think that's right? Probably at eight years, you've probably done close to that. Goodness gracious. Well, we'll talk about it in a minute, but apparently Dr. Dunch only operated on less than 100 people during his residency and all of that. Hmm. And what's weird, again, we'll get there, but like what's weird is that 
the doctor that he was doing his residency under even was like, yeah, now that I think about it, we never operated together. That doesn't seem right. I mean, maybe they didn't, but that's kind of what you're in residency for, right? Yeah, to get guidance. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I don't know much about neurosurgery. Neurosurgery. I mean, yeah, I don't either. I don't either. So, I do kind of want to talk about kind of like what could have possibly made this guy go crazy. And the executive producer of the show on Peacock, you know, he kind of delved into like maybe why this guy was a little psychotic. Um, so, he was asked, the executive producer of the show was asked, what do you think made this guy go crazy, and was he already crazy, or was he actually a horrible surgeon that fluffed himself up to be this amazing person? And here's what this producer had to say that I think is very interesting. That is a wonderful question. I'm going to answer it in a couple different ways. If you are asking me why Christopher Dunch is the way he is, I will never give you that answer. I don't think anybody but him can answer that question. I can tell you that my conclusion is that he is an extraordinarily complex and tragic figure. He is absolutely a narcissistic sociopath. I believe that he's a product of nurture. I think his upbringing fanned the flames of that socio sociopathy and narcissism. The system was attracted to his very real charms. He was intelligent. He was charming. He was affable. Everyone around him, not wittingly or unwillingly, ended up sort of encouraging all of his worst attributes. I would like to add and point out, um, I think it's really interesting that he said he's a product of nurture. Because if you mm -hmm. are in the medical field, there's this huge theory of nature versus nurture. Oh, um, yeah. And if you are who you are because of your environment and genetics or how you've been brought up. So I think that's really interesting. That is very interesting. Yes, that's a very good point. So let's move forward a little bit. So in 2006, this is kind of when people think Dr. Dunch became more money hungry and that in turn made him a little bit more crazy. Um, so Dr. Dunch became, got in contact with a married Russian couple and they were both stem cell scientists and they discovered stem, cell, stem cells in human brain tumors. That's really cool. And at this time, this was a huge discovery. And this could completely change the traje trajectory of future cancer treatments. I mean, like, people do stem cell therapy now with, mm -hmm. like, joints and things. Um, so I think that's pretty big at the time. But Dr. Dunch sniffed out this opportunity right away. Um, he eventually filed patents under a company he founded called Discgenics, which was founded in 2006, possibly 2007. Um, it says someone completely different founded the company, so it kind of seems like they're trying to erase things that he ever had any involvement with that company. But this company is still going today, still holds these patents, and he is listed as an inventor but get this, the names of the Russian like the Russian couple are misspelled. And it is believed that this was done on purpose so that no one could link them to this discovery or find them anywhere. That's really weird. What a shady person. So in other words, it seemed like Dr. Dunch wanted all the credit and the praise for this when he was not the one who actually figured this out himself. So Here's a couple other things that I think are interesting. 
And what's even crazier than that is an ex-girlfriend of one of Dunch's friends. She got the tea. I'm going to tell you right now. She got the tea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She was at a party with him and, like, some of their other friends. She saw him eat a paper blotter of LSD and take prescription painkillers on his birthday. What are your thoughts on that? That's my doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I want that guy to operate on my brain. Wow. And she, this same lady also said that he kept a pile of cocaine on his dresser in his home office. Hmm. What a guy. Mm. And she said that this night in particular on his birthday, um, they basically had a drug party. And afterwards, Dunch put his lab coat on and went to work the next morning to make his rounds as if nothing happened. That's terrifying. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But sadly, these were not the only red flags, though. At morning meetings at Disc Genics, Dunch would also be seen making screwdrivers. For those in the audience who aren't aware, <laughs> that is an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> um, let's tell the people what's in it. Orange juice and... I don't even know. Vodka. Vodka. <laughs> Vodka. <laughs> so, this was alarming... And um, someone actually did some snooping in his office because they were kind of seeing that he was a druggie. And they also found a drawer in his office at work and discovered that he had cocaine, a mirror, and a rolled up dollar bill inside. And this would eventually get him kicked out of his own company and his investors took him to court. Um and like I said, Discgenics now has zero mention of Dr. Dutch in their company. Like, none. What I'm thinking is, this got, kicked, got him kicked out of his company. What about being a doctor? Like, why didn't someone... I, that does not make any sense to me. This man fell through the cracks in the health system. And that is honestly kind of scary to me. Okay, continue. Okay. So let's fast forward to the summer of 2011. Dunch was recruited to join the min. Let me let me emphasize these two words: minimally invasive, okay, Spine Institute in North Dallas, Texas. So to recap, he was focusing more on his research at the time he was recruited. He hadn't even been in the OR much when he had been recruited, and like I said earlier. Neurosurgeon residents apparently have to complete a thousand surgeries as a training requirement. Dunch completed less than a hundred during his residency, according to his residency and fellowship records. So how he got recruited, I will never understand. Yeah, that's, I feel like there's some puzzle, pieces of the puzzle (laughs) missing. I agree. Somebody somewhere didn't vet him correctly, I don't think. So... Once Dr. Dunch made it to Texas, he somehow secured a job with the Baylor Regional Medical Center at Plano and was given surgical rights at the hospital. And this is when things started going wrong. Very, very wrong. Um, And before we dive into this part of the story together, I want to first mention the links this guy went to, to not only lure patients in his office, but to paint himself as this incredibly gifted, confident, intelligent, and wonderful doctor. He was none of those things, let me tell you. Um, This man had marketing-style videos made of himself. He wanted to be seen as a gift to the earth, in my opinion, and he used these to lure patients. 
And not only that, but somehow he managed to get an overall 4.3 stars out of 5 on Health Grades Online, which is, by the way, an online resource people can use to review and look at reviews of doctors and hospitals. It's very useful. I've used it before. Um, he has great work ethic, mentioned Dr. John Robertson, who was a reference listed on Dunch's application when applying to work at Baylor Medical Center. Dr. Frederick Boop, that's his last name, Boop, a, a surgeon that Dunch completed his residency under said, quote, you will not find a harder working or more will willing individual. But he also said he had not operated with Chris. Um, as I mentioned earlier, isn't that the point of residency? And don't you think it's weird that a doctor made basically hype videos of himself? Really weird. He needs to go study. <laughs> Retweet. Yes, exactly. So now back to the minimally invasive spine institute that Chris Dunch was employed at. Dunch only performed one surgery at this place before he was fired. And when he was fired, he immediately left for Las Vegas, leaving no one to look after his patient. But even though he was fired, he was still a surgeon at Baylor in Plano, Texas. And this all took place in September of 2011, okay? So now you can kind of grasp what kind of person this guy is. I now want to talk about the people that went under Dr. Death's knife because this is kind of where the stories get a little crazy. All right, let's talk about the victims. This is where things get like kind of murky and shady. So let's talk about the first one or what we know to be the first one. On December 30th, 2011, Dr. Dunch operated on a man named Lee Passmore. Lee Patsmore was an investigator in the Collin County Medical Examiner, Examiner's Office, which is north of Dallas, by the way, and he had had a previous back surgery, but because his pain had returned, he was looking for some relief, and Mr. Passmore was seeing a pain specialist at the time, and his pain specialist told him that he didn't necessarily have a back surgeon to refer him to, but he did have lunch with a guy who, quote, seemed like he knew what he was talking about. Um... And that was Dr. Dunch, in case you're wondering. And a vascular surgeon named Mark Hoyle eventually ended up assisting with Mr. Passmore's surgery. And he was very alarmed by what he saw in the operating room. Apparently, Dunch cut out a ligament around the spinal cord that is not typically disturbed during back surgeries. And Mr. Passmore started bleeding profusely. And Dunch had actually misplaced hardware in Mr. Passmore's spine. He even stripped the screw so it could not be moved. Who does that? That's really sad. That is horrible. And Mr. Hoyle said he then either grabbed Dunch's scalpel from him or blocked the incision to keep Dunch from moving on with a procedure. And he then left the operating room and vowed to never work with Chris Dunch ever again. And Mr. Passmore eventually testified that he now lives with chronic pain and has trouble walking as a result of this surgery. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All because, I'm not blaming the pain specialist, but all because he said that this guy sounded like he knew what he was talking about. Yeah. What's interesting, too, is medically, I mean, I am definitely not a doctor, but we are taught that you're supposed to do least invasive procedure first yes 
Um, so it's interesting to me that he was referred to a neurologist. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me either. Um, that seems a little bit much from the get-go. Especially since you already had a back surgery. And you're just going to get more relief. I don't know. Maybe it was just, like, unbearable. I I'm not sure. But let's talk about the next patient. This, this is where things start to pick up. The next patient Dunch operated on was Barry... Morguloff, I believe that's how you say his last name. Um, Barry ran a pool service company and his back had worn out while he was working in his father's import business, um, unloading trucks. That's what he did a lot of the time. And his pain had also returned after an earlier back surgery and a pain specialist gave Barry Dunch's card. So same kind of situation here. Barry said he did do his research though on Dunch. He wanted to make sure this guy was going to fix his problem. He read his outstanding reviews and saw that people loved him. And I'm sure he came across those um, Shady Sheila marketing videos that this dude made about himself. And he probably thought, yeah, I want him. So after setting up an appointment to meet with Dunch, he was very impressed by his easy confidence. And Barry was then set to have an anterior lumbar spinal fusion on January 11th, 2012. There was also another vascular surgeon working on this surgery as well, and his name is Kirby. Kirby said that this surgery was supposed to be routine and that this was like the easiest thing neurosurgeons do on a daily basis. And it wasn't long, though, before Dunch would be in trouble again. Instead of using a scalpel, he tried to pull Barry Morguloff's problem disc out with a grabbing instrument that could damage the spine. You're telling me that even if you do like medical school and residency and all that, and you've only, you, even though you haven't done that many like procedures, that's the first thing you do is use a grabbing tool on someone's spine. I mean, even to me, that sounds crazy. But there's spinal cord right there too. I mean, think of all the bad things that could go wrong. I, this man, he's special. So Kirby argued with Dunch about this, and he offered to take over, but Dunch insisted that he knew what he was doing, and Kirby got so mad that he ended up leaving the room. And I can kind of understand why you would leave the room, because, like, you'd be, like, pissed and frustrated, because it's the patient that matters, uh, not you, bro. But I kind of wish you would have stayed in the room. Yeah. Maybe it was also legally he didn't want to be involved. Oh, true. Yeah. But at that point, the patient should come first. Yeah. I agree. And... Later on, Barry Morguloff then woke up from surgery in excruciating pain. Y'all, this joker of a doctor left bone fragments in Barry's spinal canal. And another surgeon did what he could do to clean up what Dr. Dunch had done, but Barry still walks with a cane. And so sad. Yeah. And because of all the scar tissue that'll build up in his body, he will most likely be in a wheelchair before too long. And that's how he will have to live the rest of his life because um, his range of motion will become extremely limited and he won't be able to get around well. And Mr. Morguloff says that he still lives with continuous pain and says his left side loses function with each day that passes. Are Like, seriously? And no one, for the record, reported Dr. Dunch at this point in time. I don't know why but he was not reported to anyone. 
So people still think that this man is like some fantastic, smart, intelligent doctor when they have no clue what he's been doing to people. Also, now we're two patients in where he messed things up. Mm-hmm. Is that not a red flag to anybody? I know. I mean, like, you're a nurse. Like, if you are the nurse taking care of the patient after their surgery, how would you not see that something's off? Yeah, especially after some time, because after surgery, you know, you're just there to recover a patient, but Mm -hmm. you know what's normal, and if they're coming back for follow-ups and you see nothing has changed and it's gotten worse, why didn't anyone advocate for that patient and say what's going on? Because you have to write everything down in their charts, right? Yeah. So, like, even if it's just one nurse at that moment, why would every other nurse after that look at their chart? And, like you said, if they're not getting better, how would they look at, like, their quote-unquote progress and not see there's a problem? Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So, if you thought that was bad, just wait until you hear the story of the next victim, Jerry Summers. Jerry Summers was a friend of Dunch's. They played football together in high school, and he helped Dunch with logistics at the research lab during his residency. And actually, when Dunch got the job in Dallas, he asked Jerry to move in with him and help set up his practice. So they lived together in a luxury high-rise in downtown Dallas while Dunch looked for a home. Jerry had chronic pain, though, from a high school football injury, That had gotten even worse after a car accident, and so Jerry had surgery in February of 2012. But what Jerry would not know is that after his surgery, he would wake up and would not be able to move from the neck down. Four days after Jerry's surgery, he laid in the ICU, and he was in so much pain that he told his then-girlfriend that he wanted to die. That's so awful. Yeah. Like, I... I've had shoulder surgery. That's all I can speak to. And I felt great. I felt like I had taken, like, the best nap ever. But when I woke up, I will say that, oh, my gosh, I was definitely hurting. So I can't imagine waking up and saying that you want to die. That's awful. So Jerry, I read that he was kind of, like, in his room, kind of, like, by himself, just, like, laying there, like, why can I not move my body? And so he began screaming to try to get the attention of Dunch so he would come to the ICU and see him and give him answers, but he never came. And Jerry actually started screaming that he had done cocaine the night before his surgery, but he later admitted he was just yelling things to get Dunch's attention. I can't blame him, to be honest. I would, If I was in that much pain, I'd probably say anything and everything also. And you're probably not even in your right mind when you're in that much pain. Um... But because Jerry made these drug claims against Dr. Dunch, Baylor officials took this very seriously at the time and ordered Dunch to do a drug test. But Dunch stalled at first and told his administrators that he got lost on the way to the lab. (laughs) Really? (laughs) He's a liar. A really bad one. He passed, Dr. Dunch passed a psyche valve somehow, and after three weeks of, like, kind of being on, like, a probation, I guess, he was able to operate again, but only minor procedures. Are you kidding me? This is now three people. Yeah. And you're still allowing him to have surgical rights? What? 
just think these are three people with families and mm-hmm. who had jobs and thought they would wake up better and they work woke up basically losing mm-hmm. what they were living for. Yep. Yep. So later on, doctors reviewed Jerry's case and found some very disturbing things. Dunch had actually damaged Summers's vertebral artery, causing it to bleed almost uncontrollably. Dunch then packed the space with anticoagulant to stop the bleeding and in doing so squeezed Summer's spine. Mm. Are you serious? And then three weeks later, Dunch returned to his job after all that happened. Um, I hate to say this, y'all, but it gets crazier. The next patient um, that Dr. Dunch would have and his first patient patient actually that he would have after he came back from those three weeks off was Kelly Martin, a 55-year-old elementary school teacher. And according to her husband, I can't talk, I'm so sorry. According to her husband, um, he and Kelly were taking Christmas decorations down from the attic when she missed a step on a ladder and fell. She found out that she had herniated a disc and it was pinching a nerve, so she was in a lot of pain, I can imagine. And she had tried everything to alleviate her pain after this. But she eventually agreed that surgery was just her best option. And so she and her husband, Don, met with Dr. Dunch. And they said he seemed very articulate, like he knew what he was doing. And Don said that he and Kelly figured it wouldn't be an issue. They were like, yeah, this guy seems like he can do the job. So Dr. Dunch also said this surgery was very common. And it would take about 45 minutes and Kelly would have a rather quick recovery. So on the day of the surgery, Kelly's husband, Don, was in the waiting room and he continued waiting. And in a Fox News article, Don said, about an hour later, I'm still sitting in the waiting room and I hadn't heard from anybody. I asked one of the nurses to check and see what was going on. Then 15 to 20 minutes later, Dunch comes out and tells me the surgery went well and Kelly was moving around but was in obvious pain, so they gave her more medicine. And he also said she may be in the ICU or maybe stay overnight, but she was going to be okay. Don felt like something wasn't right, so he called his two daughters and told them to get to the hospital because that's he just kind of realized things were not good. Two hours had then passed. And Don said he started to freak out because he knew something just wasn't right because no one was telling him anything. Mm -hmm. And he knew something was seriously wrong. So as a nurse, I just got to ask, I think a lot of people might have this question. If you know something is going south and you don't say anything, is that kind of how it's supposed to go? No. Like, are you supposed to inform the family? Yeah, especially legally. I don't know the details of the story, but... As a nurse, you're a patient advocate. Like, your Mm -hmm. priority is the patient, especially if they're in critical care. Mm -hmm. If they don't have a health care proxy, an advanced directive to direct their care, if they aren't able to, their family needs to know. Yes. So that just baffles me that they let them sit there and didn't tell them anything. I mean, two hours is a long time. Mm -hmm. Two hours, like, to not know what's going on with your family member, not be told anything. And not be allowed to go back there. Yeah, that's a little... That's a little ridiculous to me. So, eventually, uh, after these two hours had passed, the ICU physician, Dr. Dunch, and the anesthesiologist came to give Don 
and his daughters the devastating news that Kelly had passed away. Wow. Yeah. Don and his daughters were told doctors did everything they could to try to save Kelly, but they just couldn't save her. And Don said that right then and there, that's when his world ended. He and his daughters were distraught, and he said their world was now turned upside down. And later on, a medical examiner confirmed what Don had feared. Kelly had bled to death because Dunch had sliced an artery, and she bled out. This is a routine procedure, again, at the Minimally Invasive Spine Institute. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Because everything that I read, Kelly Martin was seemingly healthy other than her back issue. Mm. And to sit there for two hours and not know what's going on with your family member just for these three people to come out and say, oh, I'm so sorry, your wife has now yeah. passed away. What's so sad, too, is... What patient is this? Three or four at this point we've talked about? Yeah. And there is a level of trust with doctors where even if you question what happened, you just trust that they've been trained well and that they're a good mm -hmm. person and that's why they're a doctor. Yep. So at this point, there are a lot of red flags, but at the end of the day, everyone trusts a doctor. Yeah, that's true. And he portrayed himself like he was just such a great doctor and he was smart and he definitely knew how to work people I think because mm -hmm. he knew the right things to say I think I think that's kind of what I'm seeing from all these people when they meet him is like oh he seems so smart he was so nice and very confident that oh it's just a regular procedure he had people fooled that's mm -hmm. for sure he definitely abused trust yes yes and I think in the medical world that is the worst thing because people are coming to you on like their worst day or even if it's not their worst day they're coming to you when they don't feel good and they feel like there's no one no one or nothing else that can help them so they go to a professional to get help and to be that person on the other side and to make people think that everything's going to be fine and give them false hope I think that's like the worst mm -hmm. kind of person especially when like no one knows what like a surgeon does like mm -hmm. He's also abusing, like, their low literacy on medical stuff. Yes, that's such a problem in the United States. Like, people's health literacy is, I think, in one of my college classes, it's, like, at a second grade level or something like mm -hmm. that. And, like, not understanding the risks and just, like, knowing what procedure is being done to them. Yeah. Yeah. Good points. So, around this time, too, around Kelly Martin's death... This is when her husband, Don, also started learning of Dr. Dunch's other failed surgeries, specifically Lee Passmore's surgery. Um, Don was confused as to why Dunch was still doing surgeries since he had such horrible outcomes previously. And in his words, Don actually said it was an absolute cover-up by the medical system, and I could not agree more. Mm -hmm. um, and following Kelly Martin's passing, Baylor ordered Dunch to take a drug test. The results showed the first sample had been diluted with water, but the second test came back clean. <sighs> this is kind of funny to me because, side note, I had to go get a nerve conduction study done on my arm because I had torn my labrum and they were trying to figure out if I had nerve damage because I was in so much pain, like, all down my arm. So, long story short, I had to take a uh, urinalysis 
And the nurse was so mean to me. And she handed me the cup. She's like, don't you dare wash your hands while the door's closed. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. And yeah, I had to do a drug test too. And like, how did he do that? Because when I did it, they locked all my belongings up in a box that they took. Uh-huh. They dropped a blue color dye pill in the toilet so they would know if I had flushed it or not. Wow. It's just so many barriers. How did he cross them? I know. That's what I don't understand. It's like, were people also buying into all of his BS and they just were like, oh, it's Dr. Dunch. We trust him. You know, we, you know, he's a reputable kind of guy. Like, he's not that kind of person. And they just kind of were like, lazy about it? I don't know. Those are the questions I have. By the way, I did a drug test because in nursing school, <laughs> you have to have one every semester. Don't worry, guys. Very <laughs> ain't pop a pills and nothing like that. Um, so, the like I said, the first sample had been diluted with water. <laughs> Words don't come out sometimes. The first sample had been diluted with water, but the second test came back clean. And because of this, Kelly Martin's case was ruled an accident at the time. Oh, that makes me so mad. So then, on April 20th, Dunch resigns from Baylor before he can be fired. Because he left voluntarily, because he resigned, he was not reported to the Texas Medical Board. But had he been fired, he would have been reported. To me, that just sounds so political. Yes. Like, if he broke the law... That man better get going to jail. He <laughs> like, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to back out early so I don't go to jail. No, yeah. you still did it. You need to go to the dog house. Yeah. Woof. Mister. <laughs> you out of here. <laughs> so, this man left this hospital where he had ruined the lives of so many people. Not definitely, yes, the patients, but also their families and friends. Because, like, how awful is this for everyone? Um... But he left this place with a recommendation letter stating no restrictions or suspensions in his, quote, clinical privileges during his time of employment at Baylor. That makes me want to cackle. You're telling, oh my gosh, I, I don't understand how this happened. Look, I also have not seen the series on Peacock, so I cannot speak to that. And honestly, I didn't want to watch that before doing this podcast because I didn't want it to like I don't know sway my like opinion or reporting in any way I will probably watch it after I do this well duh because I haven't seen it but anyway I don't understand how you can botch this many surgeries and kill a patient but you have a recommendation letter when you leave your former place of employment so anyway Let's fast forward three months later to July 2012. Dunch applied for surgical privileges at Dallas Medical Center. His background check came back squeaky clean. So the Dallas Medical Center granted him temporary privileges and a trial of five surgeries over three consecutive days to see how everything would go. The first surgery went well, but the next two resulted in another patient death and the other surface suffered permanent physical damage this was just a trial period of five i mean five surgeries in three days and you had another patient death mm. what so after these two botched surgeries dunch was fired from dallas medical in july 2012 so he wasn't even there for a month <laughs> he was there for days um and dr henderson a senior neurosurgeon at the hospital 
was called in to fix the damage caused by Dunch. And once he was in, he discovered Dunch had left metal hardware in the muscles of the patient's back, and he also amputated a nerve root. Okay, can I add something? Please. Y'all, I'm actually going to be an OR nurse um, Yeah. now that I'm graduated. And something that also doesn't add up, he's leaving all of these tools and hardware in the patients, but the whole team, so in a surgery... There's the doctor, a resident if he's training somebody. Mm-hmm. There's an operating room nurse, a surgical tech, possibly another assistant of some kind. Mm-hmm. And the OR nurse specifically is in charge of before the patient is sewed back up, before the patient is leaving the OR, that they have to make sure all that hardware is accounted for. Mm-hmm. They have a checklist. They document it. So how are things being left in the patient and how is it not getting noticed? Yeah, see, that's what I understand. And I, I don't know if it happened in this instant instance, but there was an article that I came across where a um, surgical tech was interviewed. And in one of the surgeries, he, like, he had said he had done, he was present for, like, so many surgeries. And he's like, look, I'm not a doctor, but I know how they're supposed to go. And because he's, like, you know, right there beside the doctor helping them. And he said... He told Dr. Dunch, you were, this is not right. Because he said, at that point, I'm a patient advocate. I'm here for the patient. I'm not here to help you. Um, you're also here to help the patient, too. So he had the patient in his best interest, of course. And he was telling Dr. Dunch, this is not right. You are hurting the patient. And he flat out said, you are murdering this patient in front of all of us. And Dr. Dunch was like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just like a surgical tech. You haven't been doing this long enough to know what I need to do or what I don't need to do. So it makes me wonder if other people in the OR told him the same thing and he just like blew him off. Used his rank to maybe scare people to not talk. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. It's very, very alarming. Very sus. Um, so once Dr. Henderson, this senior neurosurgeon again, was in this patient, he discussed... Uh, I'm sorry, I just said that. I so just said that. So after this, Dr. Henderson discovered that this hardware was left in this patient and that their nerve root was amputated. Henderson was appalled. He could not believe a trained surgeon could do something like this. He said Dunch obviously had no recognition of anatomy and had done all the wrong things. And this is when Dr. Henderson called the Texas Medical Board. Finally! So the process of filing this complaint would soon prompt an investigation into Dr. Dunch. Now, during the investigation, Dunch did perform another surgery, but this would be his last. He performed his last surgery on a man named Jeffrey Glidewell in May of 2013. So just to recap, this is two years of this guy messing up surgeries. Um, Dunch... In true idiot and inept fashion. Yeah, we're going to be biased. <laughs> yeah, we are going to call you an idiot. Okay, go on. Mm-hmm. He mistook a part of Glidewell's neck muscle as a tumor during a routine surgery meant to alleviate neck pain. Whoa, back it up. <laughs> this man who has gone through possibly 15 years of school mm-hmm. to be a surgeon misplaced or... Mistook a muscle for a tumor. How do you do that? Just pause. 
Excuse me, that doesn't make no sense. Okay, keep going. I feel like if you have a basic understanding of the muscle anatomy of a human, you would know what a muscle and a tumor looks like. Am I wrong? Yes. I mean, I feel like me having no experience in any kind of operating room or surgery or anything like that, I could see that. Yeah, that just is so stupid. <laughs> God, this guy's an idiot. It hurts me. So, Dutch gave up on the operation halfway through. I don't know if, you know, he was just like, okay, whatevs, or I'm going to BS my way through this now or what, but I think that's what that phrase means is that, like, he just wasn't, like, mentally present for the rest of the surgery. Um, and because of this, he ended up pun- puncturing Mr. Glidewell's artery, cut a hole in his ex- in his esophagus, and sliced his vocal cords before sewing him back up. But that's not all. Dr. Dunce, I mean Dr. Dunch, left a sponge in the internal wound. Left a sponge. Again, how did that not get, like, noted? I know. I don't understand that. Like, at the end of an operation, like you said, you have to, like, keep a log of, like, what's in their body, right? And, like, what you take out, I guess. Yeah, each... Before each surgery, there is a sterile package, and the nurse has a list of the number of supplies in the package. At the end of the surgery, you review to make sure you have all those things. So how would how would they not, like, finish the operation and be like, where's the sponge? Exactly. I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense. So because of that, Mr. Glidewell was in the ICU for four days, and to this day, he has nerve damage and cannot eat large bites of food. He has to eat very slow and eat very small bites of food. And by the time this surgery was performed on Jeffrey Glidewell, the state medical board had, by then, gotten numerous reports and was in the process of investigating Dunch. And two doctors and Mr. Glidewell's wife also gave their concerns to the board. Good. Thank you. And in response, the board ended up suspending Dunch's license, and he had to cease operating on June 26, 2013. The reason why this took so long is because the board had to see a pattern of injury in order to suspend a physician's license. That's a shame. I know. It's like, we're going to see how many people actually get hurt. Yeah. How many people's lives are actually ruined Uh before we, you know, do anything. Which, like, uh-huh. I understand the statistics matter yeah. and evidence, but yeah. that's people. Yes, and th- like I said earlier, because he had that recommendation letter that, oh, nothing happened here, basically, and his background check was squeaky clean, that's probably why it took him so long, because mm. they couldn't find any dirt on this guy. So let's fast forward to um, December 2013. Chris Dunch's license is permanently revoked. And not long after this, he filed for bankruptcy. He ended up moving back in with his parents in Colorado. And the next month, in January 2014, Dunch was arrested for a DUI. He had apparently been driving on the wrong side of the road with two flat tires. So he did a breathalyzer, and he failed it. And then, in spring of 2015, Dunch was locked up not once, but twice in Dallas. Now, not to confuse you, Chris would visit Dallas frequently because his children were there. And during one of those visits, Dunch was sent to a psychiatric hospital after he was seen banging on doors and his hands and face were covered in blood. Mm. Dunch also went to a Walmart 
where he tried to steal more than $800 worth of watches, computer equipment, cologne, sunglasses, and neckties. Hmm. Who needs neckties that bad? He also changed his pants, put new ones on from Walmart, and left the store without paying for any of these things, and then cops would later arrest him for shoplifting. And finally, it is in February of 2017 that Dunch was taken to trial and was charged with five counts of aggravated assault and one count of injury to an elderly person. Even though prosecutors had identified nearly three dozen of his former patients who had been harmed, but Dunch was only being tried for the treatment of Mary Eford. And I know we haven't talked about her, but I'm going to explain. So, the elderly person charged was about Mary Eford, who was 74 at the time of her surgery. She suffered from an amputated nerve root and misplaced hardware. So, oh, I guess this was the patient that I mentioned a little bit ago. It just didn't have her name. Sorry about that. The trial for this lasted two weeks, and it mainly focused on Mary's case, especially on her testimony. And during the trial, friends and colleagues testified that Dunch regularly used drugs and alcohol during residency, and in his final year of residency, he was not allowed to operate without supervision. How did he graduate? Good question. <laughs> How? The jury took less than a day to reach a verdict. I mean, it's pretty black and white. They found Dunch guilty of knowingly injuring Mary, Mary Eford. Dunch was then sentenced to life in prison. Woof, 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 woof. Take him to that. <laughs> Dunch filed an appeal in 2018. Oh, oh, poor you. But it was denied by a judge. <laughs> <laughs> and now, Chris Dunch, a.k.a. Dr. Death, sits in prison and is incarcerated at the OB Ellis unit of the Texas Department of Criminal Justice in Huntsville. You can sit there, buddy. Um, Chris Dunch will not be eligible for parole until 2045 when he will be 74 years old. And you might be wondering, how did Dr. Death get that name? And that was because an article was written about him in 2016, and they nicknamed, nicknamed him Dr. Death. And I think that's pretty fitting, don't you think? Absolutely. Yes. So, here's our thoughts on all of this. Not only is Chris Dunch where he needs to be, but I also think the, of the patients and families that were affected by this man's negligence. Um, what happened to these people is absolutely devastating and unfair. And I could not imagine the grief and anger that these people have to deal with um and for the victims that they have to live every day and know that like their life was stolen from them it's just so sad that so many people are that are related to the patient friends with the patients i mean that's trauma like mm -hmm. it's abused trust yep it is the most devastating thing to happen to think you're gonna get better and wake up worse yes I could not imagine waking up from any type of surgery. Like, I had shoulder surgery and a C-section. And although I was awake for the C-section, I could not imagine leaving an operating room worse than I went in. Mm -hmm. I, oh my god, I, like, I seriously can't imagine that. So, I also wanted to update you on Jerry Summers, um, the friend of Chris Dunch. After his surgery left him a quadriplegic, 
he went back to Memphis and suffered multiple infections over the years. And on February, in February 2021, Jerry passed away from another infection. His body just couldn't handle it anymore. But what is, I don't know, I don't know. It just puts things into perspective. Jerry had forgiven Chris, though, before his death. And Jerry's attorney said that now that Jerry has passed as a result of Chris Dunch's negligence, Jerry would not have wanted to charge him. Wow. What a guy. So, that's where this story ends. Um, I know that that was kind of a ride for all of us. And I know that I am not going to give you probably, like, the drama and things that the (laughs) Peacock series would. But I just wanted to come on here and state the facts. Because... I don't think a lot of people really know about this, and it's interesting to me and I think everyone else because how someone like him could slip through the cracks and be covered up in the medical world like this is alarming to me. And I think it's so sad how it places fear in so many people now Mm -hmm. um, when they go into procedures because there are so many amazing doctors that have worked really hard, who are well-trained, and it's not fair to them that people don't trust them now. Yeah, exactly. And I think, especially now that this series has come out, more people are going to watch and find out about this guy, or it may even jog people's memories because this all happened in, like, what, 2011 to 2016, pretty much, 2017. And I remember seeing something about it on the news, but all I heard was Dr. Death. Like, I've heard of Dr. Death before, but I didn't really know what or who that was. But I think people... Like I was saying how on health grades online where you can like read about doctors and hospitals and stuff, people might take those with a grain of salt now. Yeah. I just really think it's important to educate yourself. Yeah. Um, aside from what your doctor tells you. So you can ask questions. Mm-hmm. That's so important. Yeah, I think so too. And always get a second opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a third opinion or a fourth opinion. Like it's your health. Like And really the health of your family also. Even if you think you're just going in for, like, a routine back surgery, you need to, like, vet these people. Mm -hmm. Call around, ask around. You know, I think, especially where we're from, like, in Dalton, Chattanooga area, people know who the good doctors are. Yeah. Like, you know, you hear about people who do, like, certain type of surgeries. Like, oh, this is the guy who did my knee surgery, or this is the guy who did my back surgery or my shoulder surgery. Like, and I feel like... If you're listening to this in your town, it might be the same case for you. But maybe now, after listening to this podcast or watching that series, people will be a little bit more careful about who they put their trust into. Mm-hmm. I know I will, because that kind of freaks me out a little bit. But I do think, I hope, the medical system has learned from that. Yeah. I know for me, it's a good lesson of speak up, even if you're wrong. That's true. Because look how many people could be affected. Yep. That's true. And, like, Kelly Martin, bless her soul, she went in there just to go get a routine surgery for a herniated disc. And I'm sure, I, y'all listen, I'm not a neurosurgeon, but I'm sure to, like, release that pinched nerve that she had, you know, to give her some, like, relief of some kind. And she didn't make it out of the hospital. Yeah. So sad. Like, the trauma that that poor family has to deal with and her friends, I just, I can't imagine that. But... Um, thank you for joining us today. Um, thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) I've been trying to get Barry on this podcast forever. 
Have I not? I've been getting a degree. Yeah, true. She's been getting a degree. And something funny I wanted to add was Barry... I'll say this. Barry graduated magna cum laude. And (laughs) my dad... My dad also graduated college. And I was asking him, I was like, okay, so since... So since Barry graduated magna cum laude, what did you graduate as? And he goes, thank the Lottie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can thank the Lottie that Dr. Death is in the doghouse. (gasps) (laughs) 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 Yep. And uh, you can just sit right there, buddy, and uh, enjoy your sorry, sorry self. Sit there and... Yeah, have a great time. (laughs) Okay, well, this is us. This is Blakely. It's been fun. It's been real. And Barry. And me, yeah. (laughs) Signing out. (laughs) Love y'all. Love you, mean it. Bye.